0: Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jetikin. Let's start out the show by thanking our lovely patrons. They donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This week we had Mia, Whitney, Alex, Lauren, Liz, Lizzie, Nick, Amber, Sarah, Molly, Mary, Alyssa, Shay, Nicola, Toby, Veronese, Kathleen, and that's it. Thank you. Thank you guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Please, I don't feel good right now. I feel like I'm coming down with something. It's okay. My face is on fire. <laughs> Can I say what you did? Yeah. Does he had some um she she went to a med spa and had some really invasive, an invasive facial. Well, not invasive.
1: It's a, a she, little more extreme.
0: It's like an ex, she had an extreme facial that turned her face into <laughs> strawberry jam. But it's going to look gorgeous in a few days. Yes.
1: So, yeah. but you know what, the show goes on.
0: <laughs> it's no pasta tour of Italy, but it is nice. Okay. So Desi... Sometimes we get questions from our listeners. we have in the past at least about certain cases we have done that are difficult for us to cut to do for whatever reason. You never seem to have a problem with it, so fuck you, but sometimes I do because it was so emotionally taxing, like the whole thing, not only that, but like I spent more time researching this case and reading material for this case than I normally do, which is like I normally do a lot right. But this was like this guy's story is just like there are so many aspects to it, and it was so hard not to go down several rabbit holes. That being said, this is our all Manson August. However, we're not going to be talking about the Manson case in depth. Yeah, we're doing like Manson adjacent stuff. We're not. So talking- you should
1: listen to these episodes if yeah. you think
0: it's Manson.
1: I don't know. You're probably not listening to this. That's why. I- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying you're going to miss some interesting cases. Yeah,
0: because we're not talking about the Manson case. We're just talking about things adjacent to... Yeah. That are so related. So if it wasn't clear. Tangential, actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. With that being said, this week we are talking about Roman Polanski. Now, Roman's had a pretty, I would say, wild life. Yes. In terms of he's had from the get go <laughs> from the beginning of his life, it has there has been a lot, and we will get to that right now and i'm excited okay now Roman Polanski was born august eighteenth nineteen thirty three in Paris, France. His father Rizijar, was a Polish Jew, and his mother Bu- Beulah was half Jewish but raised Roman Catholic when Roman was three, the family moved to Krakow poland and a quote from Roman later, he said, not the best decision. Hmm. And I, yeah. when I read that, I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. An that's understatement. what I said, too. <laughs> I was like, that sounds like a horrible decision. Now, by 1939, the Germans had invaded Poland. Roman and his family and thousands of Polish Jews were moved to what became known as the Krakow Ghetto. At this time, all Jewish children were removed from school. The adults were forced to wear armbands signifying that they were Jews. The neighborhood was confined with barbed wire and a brick wall, and Roman witnessed firsthand an elderly Jewish woman being shot in the street by an SS officer. And soon, the Jews in the ghetto were all being rounded up. Now, much of Roman Polanski's 2002 film, The Pianist, was based on his experience living in this ghetto. Right. Did you see that movie? I did see it, but I I
1: haven't seen it. Since it came out.
0: Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I liked it. I haven't seen it. I can't watch Holocaust movies. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure it's amazing. Yeah. I'm sure it's great. And Adrian Brody, he won the Oscar for He's that. He's
1: really good in that, but he did become an annoying person. He did? <laughs> well, I remember when he won for that, he kissed Halle Berry. Oh, It sort yeah. of was like icky. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I realized that that was a long time ago. But it was definitely like one of those moments where like, that's kind of gross. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. And then he kind of just became corny. I don't know. Where has he gone? I don't know. It's funny. There's like a, I feel like there's a lot of times these actors kind of win for these roles and then you just never hear from them again or they become kind of corny. Like Like, kind of like Roberto Roberto Benigni. yeah, Yeah. And that was a pretty similar
0: No, that guy was extra. I remember that. No, I meant he like won around the same time. It was 97. Yeah, it was like a few years apart. I remember because I was 11 watching the Academy Awards laughing my fucking ass off when this guy won Best Actor because he was jumping on the fucking chairs.
1: Right. It was over the top. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I didn't mean it was similar um, reactions. I meant like they won around the same time. Yeah, I mean it was Uh, a few years apart. Yeah, but they were also both in Holocaust films. Right. Life is beautiful. That movie is terrible, by the way. It is? I don't like that movie. I never saw it. That's one of those movies I might have liked somewhat when I saw it, and then afterwards it became corny because he became such a joke, Roberto. Right. Like it was. So you can't like,
0: even watch it without thinking. Yeah, about Yeah, I think once you
1: realized he was kind of like a comedian.
0: <laughs> I don't
1: know. Like it just kind of. I
0: don't know. Right. But yeah, I did like The Pianist. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll probably watch it eventually. I just I I have such a hard time watching Nazi shit. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. Now, when the ghettos in Krakow were liquidated and Jews were being taken to the concentration camps and the death camps, Roman lost his childhood friend, Pavel. And he had this to say. He said that it was the first time that he had ever had a broken heart. Mm. Yeah. Uh, pretty heartbreaking Did stuff. Did they say why? how he
1: lost him? Like, what happened? He just... He was murdered oh, by an was. SS okay. officer. Yeah.
0: Or he was taken away. Right. He was... Taken, uh, so both of Roman's parents as well as his half sister were taken to the camps. Jesus, his mother, who was pregnant at the time, was murdered in the camp mm. shortly after she was taken away, and Roman watched as his father was apprehended by the SS and forced to march in a line of Jews and officers. His father was then sent to Mauthausen concentration camp, where he was forced into slave labor. Which that's what that camp was known for, is they would work the prisoners to death. Uh, And Roman was able to escape the ghetto, and he stayed in a rural area with a Roman Catholic family who actually knew his father, and they knew Roman, so they, they took him in. His new home was just 30 miles outside of Auschwitz, but he didn't know at the time. And he actually didn't even know the extent of the atrocities until after the war. Uh, Yeah, that makes sense. Because he was like in hiding with this Roman Catholic family in the countryside.
1: Well, it wasn't, I don't even think anyone really knew, right?
0: Like. I mean, the extent of it. They didn't know. Yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. Most people, unless you were an actual Nazi. Yeah. Like the soldier, you know, working yeah. in the camps. Right. Didn't, didn't know. know the extents of the mm-hmm. horrors that were going on in these camps. Obviously, I'm, you know, a lot of people knew that things were Jews happening. were being persecuted yeah. and had been right. for a long time. So, I mean, it was it was already bad, but yeah. they didn't even know just how. Yeah. Just how bad it was. At this time, Roman was able to pass as a Catholic boy. So he didn't. He wasn't, like, you know, home-free living in this situation. Right. He, at one point, they, you know, he had to fend for himself for a while. He was sort of, like, roaming the countryside and living, like, you know, eating berries and shit and sort of running away from SS officers. Right. So he was not, like, you know, always safe during this time. Yeah. When the war was over, Roman learned that his sister and his father had survived. He would eventually meet back up with his father, who told him of the horrific things that he had witnessed in the camps. One of the more chilling stories that Roman told in an interview was that he saw his father weeping as a German song called Oh Mein Papa played. Now, this song was played as the Nazis separated parents from their children. So years later, after the war has ended... Like, this song comes on, and his father just immediately bursts into tears. When he was 14, Roman Polanski began acting in plays and later went on to act in films in Poland. In his 20s, he caught the directing bug, I guess. There's an acting bug? Is there a directing bug? Probably. Well, he caught it. Yeah. And he studied at the State School of Cinema in Lodz, and he graduated in 1959. His films were creating buzz, winning him some awards. And in 1962, he directed his first feature, Knife in the Water, which went on to win Best Foreign Film at the Academy Awards. Oh, wow. I mean, that's pretty yeah, good. I that's your gate. first feature. Yeah. In 1965, he directed the British film, Repulsion. Love it. You love that movie? Mm-hmm. It seems like it's up your alley, yeah. honestly. <laughs> I'm not surprised. It's really good. Which is a horror film starring Catherine Deneuve. And in the 2011 documentary, Roman Polanski, A Memoir, he remarked that this film was not something he was passionate about artistically, but he did it so that he knew it was going to help his career. Oh, really? Doing this film. Yeah. He's like not, he's like kind of embarrassed about this film. Oh my God. He's like, it was a B movie. Yeah. I mean, I like it. This movie did help his career, and because of the success of Repulsion, it led to his next film, 1966's Cul-de-Sac, which was also successful. Yes. So he's obviously generating a lot of buzz right now as a director. And because of the success of Cul-de-Sac, Roman then signed on to direct the MGM film, The Fearless Vampire Killers, starring Sharon Tate. Right. Now Roman and Sharon met several times over dinner before filming began. When while she was still they were still in negotiations about who was going to play the lead. Now the studio's really wanted Sharon Tate. She was this new rising star and Roman Polanski was not into it. He like thought she was really hot and shit yeah. and cool, but he pictured someone totally different right. for this role. And he also felt that she was wasn't even experienced enough as an actress and i looked up her like credits right. at that time and i did see that she was on two episodes of mr ed in 1963 <laughs> i mean she doesn't have a lot of credits no to, at all like, no her like, whole had, career <laughs> you're right she, I mean, yeah. she had done yeah. some like bit parts and stuff and she had a few movies but and yeah. a few movies right mm-hmm. but it wasn't like a she was a seasoned actress, actress no. or anything um, but then I did start thinking about Mr. Ed and how I loved that show. I don't know really? Dude, I don't know why I thought that shit was so funny when I was a kid. That is one I never watched. It's probably like up there for me with like Beverly Hillbillies,
1: like it was on all the time. Right. But I was like, you know what? I gotta draw the line <laughs> it's somewhere. Too I probably did watch a Beverly Hillbillies more just because yeah. at some point that was on all the time. Right. But yeah, Mr. Ed, I just couldn't. <laughs> I remember telling my nieces about Mr. Ed once and they could not fucking stop laughing. They like did not believe me that that show existed. And I was like, yeah, because it's dumb as fucking shit. Like, it is so stupid. Like, how did you make a whole show of that? How was there like probably multiple seasons of that show? I honestly don't even think I've ever seen the episode, but obviously I know the fucking opening credits. I love that song.
0: It's so funny.
1: In the horse's mouth. It's like, because you know, they just put peanut butter in there. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just
0: like, with like a man's voice.
1: Yeah. It is the most disturbing opening credits to any show ever. But yeah, my nieces were literally on the floor. They were like, don't say so They were like, stop doing it. Like, cause I was imitating it or whatever. We do the voice. Hello, hello, it's Mr. red It's just like, I don't know. It's like, it's not even like how anyone would ever talk, but it's like someone's idea of what a horse sounds like. I have no
0: idea. You like that show? I can't believe it. I mean, I was a little kid, but I thought that shit was so funny. Yeah. I don't know. And it is really There's all stupid. those shows you
1: watch when you're a kid that are, like, old TV shows yeah. that are just on TBS, like, 24-7 something.
0: I don't even something think like, kids today – but kids today don't have that because they all watch YouTube shit. Right. I no, feel bad for them. I do feel bad for them because those shows
1: are hilarious. They are.
0: They're so stupid. Yeah. Like, I watched – I knew every single I Love Lucy episode – by the time I was 10. Right. And I've watched every Brady Bunch like literally Same. five times, Same. probably. Like, <laughs> And I wasn't born in that era or it wasn't no. old enough for yeah, that era. Yeah, me Like but, it was
1: before my time too, but it was like those shows were on all the time. Yeah. Like Brady Bunch was on every day after school and I fucking watched it. And
0: now they watch like, what's that guy with like the, the orange or something? Maybe the that's like 10 orange. years ago. Yeah, that's already dated. <laughs> like
1: I don't even think he exists anymore. But yeah, that's funny. Like I can't imagine what she was on Mr. Ed. Like yeah. two episodes. It's like, was she a recurring character? <laughs> right? Like a farm girl? Like, right. what the
0: hell? Because it wasn't like any sex appeal on that show. No, like, no, So she probably was like covered up and like whatever. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go watch some Mr. Ed on YouTube tonight. You have to watch those episodes. I'm going to watch those ones. Okay. Now let's go back to Sharon and Roman Polanski's dinner dates. They're trying to feel each other out. Yeah. She wants this part, obviously. MGM wants her to have this part, and he's skeptical. But... During one dinner in particular, the two began warming up to each other. Sharon told Roman about her experiences with taking acid with her then boyfriend, hairstylist to the stars, Jay Sebring. Now Roman told her that he had done acid a few times, but he had had horrible trips so she... I mean, that doesn't surprise me. It does not. Su- Dude. <laughs> Why would you ever open up those doors? <laughs> this man literally was survived the Holocaust. Yeah. You don't have to relive. You don't need to take acid. Seriously. No, I'm sorry. So she convinced him that they should go back to her flat in London and take some acid together. And she's like, we'll have a good time. I promise. Okay. Now... According to the book, Sharon Tate and the Manson Murders by Greg King, during their trip together, Roman put on a Frankenstein mask and snuck up behind Sharon and she flipped the fuck out because he snuck up behind her wearing a Frankenstein mask during this acid trip. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I would be so upset if that happened to me. I
1: mean, in his defense, he was tripping. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, he might have thought it was hilarious. He probably thought
0: it was really funny. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. But like I don't like when people uh startle me in any way or play pranks. In general, I don't like pranks. It's bad. Don't play pranks a or like prank. scaring people. Yeah. yeah. She flipped out. She ran back to her own apartment and that was the end of that night. However, according to Roman's 1984 memoir which came out before this book, he said that that night did not go down like that at all. In fact, they ended up making love. <laughs> I That's, knew that they were going to make love. He said make, he said making love. <laughs> However, in an interview with the police in 1969, which was what 15 years before his memoir, he said that they did not sleep together until they had known each other for several months, which I honestly think is probably the truth. Really? Well, Sharon was still in a relationship with oh, JC bring right, right. at that point, so she might have been. She wasn't a bad girl, like yeah. she or she wasn't like a necessarily a promiscuous girl or known for being cheating or whatever. Yeah, I forgot she was in a relationship. Yeah, so she wasn't, like, sleeping around on him. That wasn't, like, something she was known for. Well, the
1: fact that they were still friends after the breakup probably indicates that that's true, too.
0: Yes. So I think... I don't know. Maybe he just embellished that for his memoir. Whatever. Now, according to the book Sharon Tate and the Manson Murders... Sharon was mad at Roman for a little bit after the Frankenstein mask incident, and she blew him off the next several times that he tried to contact her. One time she picked up the phone and just said, listen, fuck you, (laughs) which I feel like is a great way to pick up the phone. Yeah, I would love to do that. That's a good catchphrase. Yeah. Now, at this time, Roman was still unconvinced that Sharon Tate was right for the role in the Fearless Vampire Killers. (laughs) But when filming began, she went on to prove him wrong. Like... I mean they I've like heard him talk about this so many times in so many different interviews where he's like she put on the red wig and it was like oh my god you're right for the role. Right.
1: I mean I love that how seriously he was taking the casting for this movie. I'm sorry.
0: Well this movie's fucking ridiculous. I know that's
1: what's like so hilarious. It's, it's like you're not doing like fucking Romeo and Juliet or something no, like Shakespeare thing it's a like spoof seriously. Movie. Yeah,
0: I mean it's insane. And he's also in this movie too. Right. I love this movie. Yeah. it's, it's goofy. But he was basically like as soon as she put, as soon as she puts that red wig on, yeah. I can't do a Roman Polanski accent. Uh, yeah, because I was like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> it's French, right? He's, sound- he's French, Polish. <laughs> I guess mm-hmm. I don't really think of him as having a z z z. Yeah, he, kind he of sounds us. like Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> Roman was a difficult director to work with. He was very demanding. Yes. He often insisted, you know, dozens of takes just to get one stupid fucking thing right. Ugh. Again, this That's is- what
1: always irritates me when I hear stories like this, because I was like, I would be like over it so yeah. fast. Like, there's no way. He's
0: like a Kubrick slash James Cameron in this way, right. I guess. Right. Like, yeah. where you hear these stories like, oh, they're difficult to work with, but they're geniuses. Yeah, and
1: it's like a brutal conditions to just do take after take
0: after, and imagine like breaking yourself and falling to pieces because of a spoof movie yeah (laughs) like at (laughs) least at least if like the finished product is like an oscar winner is the shining (laughs) or titanic you know you're nominated for awards and stuff yeah more worth it you're like okay i broke my fucking back to do this
1: work i was in ice water for hours yeah (laughs) did you know that someone dosed the the set well, oh,
0: um, on Titanic? Yeah, with LSD. Or no. maybe it was PCP. No. Yeah. Like, dose. What do you mean, they dose, dose the, the food? Like, oh, they, the food. There was a, they were having, like, lobster bisque and they dosed the, And Damn. somebody dosed it. That's and fucked like up. And, like, everyone got sick.
1: That's really fucked up. Yeah,
0: don't dose people Especially, unless they want to be dosed. Dude, don't, I love that they had lobster soup. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's like, I've never seen that at craft services. No, I have never seen that lobster either. Lobster bisque, it seems suspicious.
0: <laughs> Must <laughs> be <We> dosed. <laughs> so okay, back to the fearless vampire killers. He was a perfectionist. One time, they like Sharon was on the verge of tears because like she just could not get this one thing right for him, right. and it was like literally seventy takes he Ugh. had her do for this one thing. But the more time she spent with Roman, and the longer she was away on set, away from JC, Sebring, the more she fell in love with Roman. Right, and she fell in love with this guy, and he fell in love with her. This is a quote from Sharon Tate on Roman Polanski. It's difficult to describe Roman. He's, well, the first thing you notice about him is him. No bits or pieces. He just comes at you in one dynamic blast. If I had to break it down, he's very sympathetic, very sensitive, very intelligent, very understanding, and a combination of explosives. He's a very strong man. I mean, mentally, because physical looks and that stuff don't t- mean too much to me. <laughs> I would say that Roman is interesting looking. And you don't dwell all- and you don't dwell any further on that because of the kind of person he is. Jesus. <laughs> I mean talk about your nags. <laughs> that is like such That's an That's like an OG neg. nag. Yeah. Jesus. She's like he has a great personality. Yeah. Look, I don't focus too much on his looks. <laughs> And, like, Roman is one of those guys that, like, he only pulls hot chicks. Yes. And he is not, like, a hot guy.
1: Yeah. I mean, he isn't, like, traditionally hot. But I can see how you'd find him attractive.
0: I can see how you'd find him attractive in terms of, like... Like Everything
1: combined. That he's so talented. Like, I do think she's right even though it does come off as an egg. Right. <laughs> like, I would never publicly say those things about my boyfriend or husband. No. But,
0: yeah, I mean, she's absolutely right. I mean, we've talked about a million times together about how, like, we have to be attracted to someone to be with them. Right. Like, even if they're not conventionally attractive. There's something that's drawing there's you. There's something yeah. that's attractive mm-hmm. to you about them. Now, this is a quote from Roman on Sharon. I'd had bad experiences, and I didn't believe that people like that existed. And I was waiting a long time for her to show her color. But she was beautiful without this phoniness. She was fantastic. She loved me. She was a fucking angel. I was living in a different house. I didn't want her to come to my house. And she would say, I don't want to smother you. I only want to be with you. And I said, you know how I am. I screw around. And she said, I don't want to change you. She was ready to do everything just to be with me. So that being said, Roman was fucking around on Sharon all the time. He was known for being a bit of a womanizer. He was always fucking chicks, like just one night stands and stuff and having these little side things going on. And in the beginning, you know, Sharon knew about that and she, I guess, allegedly told him, yeah, I'm okay with that Right in the beginning. I'm sure that she wasn't always okay with that. Right. If she was ever. Or you maybe say that theoretically, but then when you find out about it... yeah, Do you know what I mean? Like Exactly. So Sharon moved into Roman's London flat. According to Roman, quote, we started this very happy period of my life, which unfortunately lasted not very long. The couple were married in January of 1968 in London. And I have to say... Sharon Tate's wedding look is one of my favorite wedding looks of I all love time. It. It's so cute. It's like the best. Like I can't even think of like off the top of my head, like a better wedding. That's look the than type that. of wedding
1: dress I would have. Same. Just like a little. And that outline. hair. Yeah.
0: It's so cute. Like the little like flowers in her hair. Right. And the like simple chic. Yeah. It's like a dress, dress. you would wear yeah (laughs) like it's just a cute dress it's such a good look yeah she had some great looks yeah and he like wore this ridiculous late 60s velvet suit right like whatever i love it but i love the whole aesthetic of their wedding is like amazing now that same year was the year that one of roman polanski's biggest films was released desi's favorite rosemary's baby now this is the film that made roman polanski a superstar yeah Roman and Sharon had moved to Los Angeles together around this time, at first to a big home in Santa Monica, before eventually settling into their home in Hollywood on Cielo Drive. Sharon became pregnant in early 1969. She didn't tell Roman at first. She knew that pregnancy reminded him of tragedy in his life, specifically the baby that his mother lost when she was murdered in the Holocaust. Sharon ended up telling her ex and now friend JC Bring about the news, who then went on to tell Sharon's parents. So Sharon Tate is still close friends with JC Bring right. at this point. And it's fine, like they have like this platonic relationship. It's not like a problem or anything. In March of 1969, Sharon left Los Angeles for Rome to shoot the movie 13 Chairs. Roman was to meet up with Sharon in Europe, and both would be gone until the middle of the summer. They subletted their home on Cielo Drive to Roman's friend, Wojtek Fryowski, and his girlfriend, Abigail Folger, the heiress to Folger's Coffee. Sadly, while the couple was staying at the Polanski's house, Wojtek ran over Sharon's dog oh do you know that yeah i did hear this it was a yorkshire terrier Fight. named dr saperstein oh. i know i got really sad that's funny that I they just, named it after the doctor from the movie because i just got to the sopranos episode last night where oh. fucking christopher sat on the
1: dog dude that is a brutal
0: scene <laughs> I was like so it's upset. unintentionally
1: like i mean it's sort of hilarious and it's absurdity but it's so awful like it's so awful that he's just sitting <laughs> the, the only dog, like... the dog
0: dog crushing scene in a movie that's funny is in one of my favorite movies, Crooklyn oh where like I don't her aunt it. sits on or the the dog is like stuck in the couch,
1: oh my God Queenie, oh my God, yeah, it's yeah. actually a
0: funny scene. it's like yeah. played for comedy,
1: but no, that scene is insane, but the one
0: in the sopranos I was actually watching it last night, and I was like I like turned to Brendan and I just looked at him and I said, I'm really upset right now because <laughs> it's
1: so. You don't, It's out of nowhere, yeah. first of
0: all. Right. And it's just, yeah. I and mean. she's like, Christopher, that was my dog. <laughs> yeah. It's such an insane scene. It's so insane. Okay. Anyway, back to Dr. Sapper's scene. That was really sad. Roman actually ended up buying her a new Yorkshire Terrier right. after that. So, yeah. And then, like, his friend, Wojtek Fryowski, has to call London or Ugh, wherever awful. Roman is and be like, hey, I ran over your wife's dog. Yeah. I'm Uh sorry. Okay. Now, Sharon left London in July-ish, like the end of July. She headed back for Los Angeles, and she was eight months pregnant. So because she was eight months pregnant, she couldn't take an airplane. They wouldn't let her get aboard an airplane, so she had to take a ship back. Jesus. Yeah. Roman stayed behind in London to finish work. They were scheduled to travel back to LA together, but Roman changed his mind at the last minute. And Sharon was not happy about that. Like, she just wanted to get back to LA with her husband. Right. She's She's
1: about to give birth. Yeah, Yeah.
0: but he's staying behind. He's like, I'll only be gone like a few more days or another week. Like, I'll be back soon. So, Sharon traveled by ship, and I guess she had to like go sail to New York, and then she must have had to like take a train or drive to. That is
1: insane to me. Like yeah, they wouldn't let her get on a plane. That's really weird, isn't that wild? Well, you can give birth on a plane. I'm, (laughs) I'm just saying. Like, it's not like you need medical. You know what I mean? Like, what, what? Why would a ship be any different? You'd be stuck on a ship for much longer. Haven't you
0: heard that though? That you can't, or maybe it was like in the olden days. I I don't think that's the case anymore. But don't you remember that was like a thing? Like you couldn't fly at certain months pregnant. I honestly don't know it. Like, uh, I
1: guess, but like, it seems like. Just a few hours, like right. whatever, seven or eight hours. Maybe something. With Even the if pressure. you start going in labor, oh, maybe I, I don't know. But it just seems like crazy to me. Yeah, but unless there's a medical reason, that is like a long journey. That's that. That just seems more traumatizing to me. Totally. <laughs> than like a plane ride. Dude. But like, also, she chose to go over there knowing she probably wouldn't get to go back. Do you know what I mean? Like,
0: right. Like she didn't give birth in London.
1: Well, or stay. You think there. when she planned the trip. That she would have been like, oh, wait, but they're not going to let me fly back if I'm eight months pregnant or whatever the cutoff was. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. know. It's interesting.
0: Okay. So as Sharon boarded the Queen Elizabeth II for America, it was the last time that Roman Polanski would ever see her. On the evening of Friday, August 8th, 1969, Roman phoned Sharon from London, letting her know that he would be back in LA on Tuesday. That night, he went out with his friend, Victor Lowndes. He, was, uh, he ran the Playboy Clubs in Europe, which Roman loved, loved <laughs> frequenting those Playboy Clubs, as well as Europe's Playboy Enterprises. They went out for dinner and drinks, according to Victor. Also, according to Victor, Roman went home with a, quote, bimbo that night. Ooh, Yeah, so your wife's literally going to pop in two weeks. and and you just go off the phone with her. What the fuck, man? Come on. The next morning, August 9th, 1969, Sharon Tate, Jay Sebring, Abigail Abigail Folger, Wojtek Fryowski, and Stephen Parent were found murdered at the Cielo Drive home. At the time of the murders, Sharon Tate was eight and a half months pregnant with her and Roman Polanski's child. Sharon was just 26 years old. It was William Tennant, Roman's manager, who called him from LA to inform him that his wife and unborn child, among four others, had been murdered at his home. Obviously, Roman fucking lost it at this point. Right. And I mean, how do you even react to that? Like, he couldn't believe it at first when they told him. It must be shocking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean,
0: without everything else that's happened in his life. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, I mean, and just not only, it's not like, oh, your wife got into a car accident, which is horrific. Right, It's your wife and four other people and your unborn child were all horrifically, brutally murdered. In your home. In your home. and We don't know who it was, and it was totally random. It seems totally random at this point. And it,
1: I mean... It's also a worldwide news story, which
0: must up it a million times too. He had to be heavily sedated. Uh, He flew back to Los Angeles the very next day, and immediately upon arrival at the airport, he was hounded by the press, you know, just yeah. the moment he got off that Jesus. plane. I mean, that, that, I think about that all the time when like someone in the news or like a celebrity has like gone through a personal tragedy. Yeah. And you just have like the press in your face. Like, I don't know how people hold it together. It's so, ugh. yeah. Like it's, they're such vultures. It, yeah. It's pretty gross. So they were hounding him. Later that week, on Thursday, a funeral service was held for Sharon. Among the stars in attendance were Peter Sellers, Warren Beatty, and Kirk Douglas. I think about like her being pregnant and them having a child together. He was so reluctant to have a family, have a family, yeah. because he saw his own family be completely ripped apart right. in the Holocaust. And he was probably afraid to hope for that. Yes, yeah. and then imagine the absolute worst case scenario. And happens. It all, yeah, it's yeah. like his worst fear came true. Yes. Now he did continue working to great success obviously in 1974 Chinatown came out and that was a huge was huge yeah. it's one of his famous most famous movies it was nominated for 11 Academy Awards it took home a win for best screenplay Beauty should be good for you and that's why we're excited to tell you about Beauty Counter See why Upstart is top-ranked in their category with a 4.9 out of 5 rating on Trustpilot and hurry to upstart.com slash Hollywood to find out how low your Upstart rate is. Checking your rate only takes a few minutes. That's upstart.com slash Hollywood. In 1977, 13-year-old Samantha Jane Gailey was a young aspiring actress and model living in Los Angeles with her mother, her stepfather, and her sister, Kim. Kim? Her mother and stepfather were also actors. They had met doing an off-Broadway show in New York, and Samantha's mother had done some commercial work. In her book, The Girl, A Life in the Shadow of Roman Polanski, Samantha talks about the changing attitudes towards sex in the 70s, as well as the way that young girls were sexualized during that time period. She cited Jodie Foster and Taxi Driver, who was 12 years old in that role, and Brooke Shields, who was in Pretty Baby. Right. She was like 11 or something. Right. And she was... Playing a prostitute basically Yeah. yeah and of course Brooke Shields and the Calvin Klein campaign yes so I thought it was interesting that's something I didn't even really think about how like I mean women have been young women have been sexualized in the media my whole life but I was it was interesting to like see all these examples specifically in the 1970s yeah where it was like well we've we've posted
1: something I think or you and I have shared it at least the loves baby soft yes like Yeah. And it's like, it's sort of tongue and it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, you're being tongue in cheek, but you're also
0: sexualizing a girl ironically or whatever. Like, yeah. Like the loves baby soft. For those of you who don't know, loves baby soft. They, I think they still make it, but it was like really popular in the seventies and eighties. It's like a drugstore perfume and it smells like baby powder. But their whole ad campaign back then was like literally like a, Innocence is sexy. A prepubescent girl with a ton of makeup on, like a John Bonet look almost. And it would sit, and like the tagline was, Innocence is sexier than you think. Yeah. Which is so fucking creepy. But it's also like Dazzy and I have shared that ad with (laughs) each other so many times because it's so absurd. Like that that got made.
1: Yeah. It's just so insane. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was a period where that, even the songs, they're talking about fucking young girls, like no one gets us our love or whatever. (laughs) It's like, I mean, we're laughing, but it's so crazy. And I do feel like it was more subtle. Like, I don't think it disappeared for a very long time. Like even in the nineties, I do feel like, remember when CK1 ads were like totally criticized because they were made to look
0: like child porn, almost like. In the mid nineties, Calvin Klein had this string of like they had this ad campaign that was specifically meant to look like it was in like some gross stepdad's basement with like a brown carpet and like wood paneling and these emaciated, really young looking models looking kind of guilty and scared Right. Like, and it was, I mean, they were criticized then, but the fact that
1: it even got made, I don't think they would get made today. No. Like, yeah.
0: I think people will have like a lo- I mean, people still do some whack ass right. shit, but I do feel like it's more, they're a little more conscious. Yeah. People are maybe a little more conscious, a little more for but, sure. Like my era, like the famous sexualizing of like a young girl was Britney Spears, obviously. Right. That was like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and well, I, I mean, mean, it's a
1: porn trope. Like, yeah, the school on. girl. <laughs> we all know. Right. But come yeah, the, the, when it crosses into the mainstream, it's, it's more like, hey, this is supposed to be, like, you know, underground shit or whatever. Like, <laughs> right. I don't know. But, like, it was definitely in the 70s. I mean, we're going to get into it. Yes. But it's like all of your faves did something you probably would be horrified
0: by. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, Desi and I were talking about that at the gym last week about just how many rock stars – and famous people in the 70s like have there are these stories about them fucking yeah. underage right. women and they're not really talked about and they weren't like big scandals necessarily at the time. No. Yeah. Like groupies and stuff. Yeah. You know. Okay. Oh, I, I thought she was 18. I mean, there's a reason that's like a joke. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, or not right. a joke, but yeah. So, I mean, but it's what we're saying is it's like it's. It's, it's a problem. Really, it's a problem and it's horrific to look back and think that that was sort of. Low-key acceptable. Some people (laughs) thought that that was acceptable. Okay. So, Samantha's mother was invited to a party at Top of the Rocks on Sunset. It was a star-studded affair. It was there that she met Roman Polanski. Now, Roman was a friend of her eldest daughter's boyfriend. Okay. And her eldest daughter's boyfriend recommended Samantha Jane Gailey for an upcoming photo shoot he was doing. So was he he in photography now? (laughs) Well, he's a director. So he was like shooting some. He he was shooting stuff for Vogue. Like I'm going to talk about one of his photo shoots he did. So he was doing like some fashion photography stuff. Polanski met the mom at this party, and in the in her book, Samantha remembers uh, that the mom told her that he made a quote slightly off color joke involving Tiger Balm and sex. (laughs) I'm dying (laughs) to know that joke. Yeah.
1: I mean, do you have you ever done anything with Tiger
0: Of Bob? course. Yeah. It's really spicy. Yeah, it's spicy. <laughs> so I am curious to know, too. I want to know what the joke is. When you put it in your anus, Seriously? it's spicy. Did you put it in your anus? No. Okay. I'm just... <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think of what the joke was. Right.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, who knows? Right. I've only done very basic
0: things with I it. I put it on my shoulders. Oh, you did? Well, okay. yeah. Isn't it for like... I guess. Sore muscles. But I, I thought we
1: were talking about like sexual uses. You've done stuff with it sexually? Well, um, I put it on my
0: nipples. <laughs> Dude, I love learning shit about you on this show. Rarr. <laughs> 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 Tiger Bomb. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. We're going to get back to they that. They were another. sore. <laughs> Oh, you bit my nipple
1: so hard. I got to put My this... muscles are sore. Oh, so relieved. The tension
0: is gone. <laughs> okay. A few weeks later, Samantha was invited to do a photo shoot for Vogue Paris by Roman Polanski. That was the project that he was working on. And
1: how did he She was she like, "Oh, my daughter is a model?" No, it
0: was Did he meet her that night? No, he okay. met her because I said before, I already said this, oh. the, uh, but maybe it wasn't clear. Uh, Roman was friends with Samantha's oldest right. sister's boyfriend. But how did he know about Samantha? Because the older boyfriend of her... The boyfriend of her sister recommended Samantha, Samantha for this project he was working okay. on. And, yeah, okay. So then the mom and him mingled at this party, oh, and they it. talked about it, and they set up this meeting. And was she an actor or a model? Yes. Okay. The daughter was... She did like she had done local commercials back right. in Pennsylvania where she's originally from. She uh she actually was up for the role, uh the lead role in Freaky Friday.
1: Oh. So she Well, she has a similar look to that. Cause she yes. isn't very
0: like she's, she's a like, tomboy. very
1: tomboyish looking she girl, like a Jodie a lot, Foster. She type. looks
0: a lot like Jodie Foster. Um so he's like, Yeah, let's do this Vogue shoot with your daughter. Now okay. the concept for the shoot was to showcase the difference between French and American girls. So Roman sat down with Samantha and her parents one day and showed them a photo shoot that he had done with a the then 14-year-old Nastasia Kinsky for French Vogue. Now, I looked at these photos and it was like a pirate, like a sexy pirate on the right. beach theme. They went to the Seychelles to Seychelles, which is like mm-hmm. one of my vacation dream destinations. Yeah. And they shot this, like, photo shoot with, you know, Nastasia Kinsky. She's 14 years old. She's, like, v- this very alluring, like, pirate wench lady in right. this, like, gold gown. But then there's also some more sexier yeah. pictures of her. Samantha noted that Roman looked like a ferret, but <laughs> she knew that he was famous and powerful, and she saw the way that her mom and step... And she saw the way that her mom and stepdad were in awe flipping through all of these photos that right. he had done. Like these. So like, a
1: child is very perceptive. Like my parents want me to impress this guy. Kind yes. Of thing.
0: Like he's a big deal. Yeah. He kind of looks like a ferret, but I know he's like really famous and successful. And like, she even had said, like, I saw Chinatown. I didn't like it. I mean, to be fair, right. she was 13 <laughs> yeah. years old. It's like, a kid movie. Yeah. She's like, but I knew he was a big deal. Yeah. She was really into the bad news bears, which made me think about Aww. you. Yeah. A few days later, when Roman picked up Samantha for the photo shoot, her mother asked if she should come along. Roman said no. Samantha drove up into the hills with him to do some test shots while it was still light out. She brought two different tops to wear. She remembered turning around to change into the second top and hearing clicks of the camera behind her as she changed, which she thought was weird because she's like, I'm not posing right now. Right. That's creepy. It's Why fine. are there clicks going yeah. off and I'm trying to change my top? Ugh. Roman told her that this wasn't exactly working, so Samantha tried to act sexier, and she's getting feeling really insecure at this point. She's worried that she's disappointing this big yeah. famous director. She's not getting it right. She doesn't have. Uh, she's not Nastasha Kinsky like she, a sexy, right? Yeah, exactly. What does he want with me? Why are we like? She's not feeling so secure about herself, so she's trying to act a little sexier for him to. Be more mature to yeah. present herself this way. I mean, Samantha really was this all-American, tomboy girl. She and was- she was her age. Nastasia Kinski was much older-seeming. Do you yes. know what I
1: mean? She had that more model look. Yeah. yeah. like And just like that kind of darker vibe.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. she definitely, they played... Like, she... Presented herself as older than 14.
1: Yeah, exactly. Whether
0: or not that we're not we're not putting judgment on that. We're just saying how it was yeah. with her. Okay. Roman then asked Samantha to take her top off. Okay. And she agreed, figuring that these photos would never make it to the magazine. This was just a test shoot. Right. And this is obviously some fashion thing. You know, yeah. models are naked in French Vogue. Right. So she took her top off and Samantha remembers at this point as he's snapping away and she's standing there topless, like with her hand on her hips. They're outside, by the way. They're on a hill. There was a guy on a dirt bike who passed by. She just stood there topless. And when the light was gone, Roman drove Samantha back to her house in the valley. On March 10th, 1977, Roman returned to Samantha's home to pick her up for their second photo shoot. Samantha asked if her friend Terry could come along, but Roman told her that the shoot would take a pretty long time and Terry had to be home by a certain hour, so that yeah. didn't pan out. Samantha remembers being nervous but really excited. Their first stop was at Jacqueline Bessette's house. <laughs> they snapped a few photos at her house and Jacqueline offered Samantha wine and later on Jacqueline Bissett said that she had no idea that Samantha was only 13. I mean this is like so seventies to have an appearance by Jacqueline. This this whole description of like this whole day is so seventies. Yeah. It's like also, I just find that
1: really hard to believe because if you see pictures of this girl, she's clearly like someone who is child. very young. Like this is not someone you would mistake for being no, older, in my opinion. All. Not at all. Yeah, especially if she's not made up in some way. Like, right. Yeah. And she's not because I've seen the photos no, me too. Yeah, it's from like, that day. She looks so young. I just find it hard to believe. Yes. But everyone's probably fucking on quaaludes. Like,
0: <laughs> Hold so on, like, we're going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> so... Now, Roman and Samantha next headed to their second location, Jack Nicholson's house. On the way up there, Roman began to ask Samantha some more personal questions. Did she have a boyfriend? Had she ever had sex before? Samantha lied to Roman and said that, yes, she had a boyfriend, even though they had just broken up. And she also told him that she had had sex twice before, even though she'd only had sex once, but okay. she wanted to see more mature right. and more worldly. Mm, but to there's him. something really sad about her making it twice. Like, do you know what I Dude, mean? Like, that's like when I lied to an older guy when I was fourteen that I was actually fifteen. Like that right. would make there's it something better.
1: Sad about like saying like twice. Like that would make you much more experienced than once or something. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like right. it just shows how innocent though she like wanted to impress but not
0: lie too much. Like right. it's such a kid thing to do. Totally. It's really sad. Totally. So. When they got to the house, Jack wasn't there. He was out of town. They were greeted at the door by his housekeeper, Helen. Roman asked Samantha if she was thirsty. He opened the fridge and he found a bottle of champagne. Helen, the housekeeper, left. They started shooting. Samantha was just at this point posing with her glass of champagne. She hadn't had any of it yet. He then asked Samantha to take her top off. And she did. At first, assuming he was going to be taking these photos, insinuating nudity. Like, oh, maybe he's just taking these... From the shoulders up or something. Yes. So she took her top off. Samantha asked Roman if she should pretend to sip the champagne. And he said, no, you should actually drink the champagne for these photos. So she drank the champagne. And when she finished her glass, Roman refilled it and kept refilling it and kept refilling it. So... Who knows how many glasses of champagne right. she actually had this night. Then he suggested that they take some photos in the jacuzzi. By this point, Samantha was intoxicated. So she was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? And she was even enjoying herself at this point. Right. She was actually feeling like, oh, I'm a grown up. Yeah. I'm feeling sensual and sexy now. And this is right. big deal. Big girl stuff. And she's more confident. Yes. Yeah. This is my big break. Yeah. Now, before they got into the jacuzzi, Roman asked her if she wanted to call her mom to check in with her. So she did, and she told her mom that she's there alone with Roman and that she's fine. Roman then gets on the phone and tells Samantha's mom that they're up on Mulholland Drive at Jack Nicholson's house and that he'll bring her home when they're done with their photo shoot. Now, Samantha didn't have a bathing suit with her, so she undressed down to her underwear, and she didn't wear a bra at this point in her life. So... She was topless wearing underwear. She wrapped a towel around herself and figured that once she got into the jacuzzi, the bubbles would cover up her chest. Right Now, Roman, at this point, presented her with a pill, and it was a Quaalude. Whoa. And at first, Samantha declined, but she eventually agreed, figuring, you know, 'Cause he kept pushing her, like, do you right. want this? Are you sure you don't want it? Well, you know the feeling very
1: well, I think most yes. girls do at that period where you feel like you want to be more mature and you wanna yeah. say yes. You don't want to be yeah. a loser, a yeah.
0: square. Especially right. I can't even imagine the pressure. Like I mean, young girls do this when the person pressuring them is just the coolest guy at their middle school. Right. You're imagine- in Jack Nicholson's house. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're yeah. I can't even imagine how hard that would have been to just outright. Yeah. Decline it. So she did decline it first, then he pushed her, and she said, okay, so she took it with her champagne. Roman then asked Samantha to take her underwear off. Now, she was wary about this, but she told herself that he probably had a good reason. Maybe he didn't want them to show underneath the water in the shot, like for artistic purposes, because they were darker underwear, and aesthetically, like, okay, he probably has a good reason for it. And mind you, she's fucked up at this point, too.
1: I mean... Quaaludes with a ton of champagne seems pretty <laughs> fucked up. Like that would knock me out probably. And like a yeah. champagne
0: drunk is like, you get oh God. fucked up. I get can, drunk off of like two glasses. I'm like, whoa, like, right. it like instantly goes to your head. I haven't, obviously I haven't had champagne in over a decade, but I do remember that champagne drunk was like a different level. Yeah. And
1: then, so he said that they were going in the hot tub to take pictures? Yes. Okay. He was going
0: to take pictures of her in the jacuzzi. Got it he stopped taking the photos and she was like wondering why did he stop taking the pictures? Right. I thought we were doing a photo shoot and he's like, ah, oh, this is no good. The lighting's not right. So right. he puts his camera down and he gets into the water with her butt naked. Ugh. Now, dude, she must've been flipping out. That's yeah, so scary. she was. Roman then told Samantha to come over to him. He wanted her to feel something. He took her by the waist and held her over the jets. Uh Yeah and this freaked her out yeah because she didn't know what to think at this point or what to feel right. at this point is this supposed to feel good this is really fucking weird um he asked her you know did does this feel good and she lied at this point and told him that she felt sick she had asthma and she needed to get out of the hot tub right so He told her to go jump in the pool to go cool off. She did. She swam all the way to the other end of the pool. She got out. She ran to the bathroom where she then put her underwear back on and sort of just enclosed herself in this bathroom to get away from Roman.
1: Is this her account?
0: Yes. Okay. This is all from her memoir. Okay. Which I recommend you read. It's, It's good. Roman knocked on the door and asked her how she was feeling. Samantha said that she needed to go home so she could take her medicine. He said... I'll take you home soon. Then he led her in the other room, and he told her to lie down. She said, no, I want to go home. But he wouldn't listen. This is a passage I'm going to read now from her book. If you don't want to hear descriptions of sexual abuse, I would fast forward a little bit. He holds my arms at my sides and kisses me. And I say, no, come on. But between the pill and the champagne, it's like my own voice is very far away. He's kissing my face and feeling my breasts, and he asks me again if I like it. Does it feel good? I say nothing, but he's a guy who makes movies, so I imagine he's filling in the dialogue for himself. You're making me do this, and now you want me to tell you I like it too? It's not like you're going to talk me into liking this. Then he goes down on me. I know what this is, of course, because I've read about it, but I've never actually had someone do it to me. He asks if it feels good, which it does, and that in it of itself is awful. I don't want this. My mind recoils, but my body is betraying me. And that's when I check out. I go far, far away. There is a sense of complete and utter emptiness. Oh, just my body. I'm not really here. Okay, I see. Now, this description, this passage from Samantha's book is like, so accurate, yeah. A description definitely. about like when you go into this sort of freeze mode when you're yeah. being assaulted, mm-hmm. like some people fight, some people freeze up. And this is for me, this was such a good, accurate description of that right. moment. Roman then proceeded to anally and vaginally rape Samantha. She just wanted it to be over. She was sort of just at that point, she was lying frozen. Mm-hmm. I'll let him do whatever he wants to me at this point so I don't have to fight it. Right. I mean, that's a very common thought too, where you're like, let me just get this over with.
1: Absolutely. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you Absolutely. always have a right to say no, obviously. So it's right. like, but you're just like,
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's common. The with less a lot I of- do,
1: then the more, the quicker this will be done and I can leave. Like, yeah. Exactly.
0: And she just wanted to get the hell out of there at that right. point. Suddenly, there was a knock at the door. Roman, are you in there? A woman's voice said. Now, it was a different woman than the housekeeper. It was Angelica Houston, who was Jack Nicholson's then-girlfriend. Roman said, we were just in the jacuzzi, we're getting dressed. And Roman told Angelica that they were taking pictures together. And Angelica says that at that time, she didn't think anything of it. I mean, how do you come upon that scene and not
1: think anything of it? Like, truly, like... Yeah. It's
0: nighttime now, right? It's nighttime and there's like a young girl just Yeah, and they're dressed. like not letting you in the room. Like I feel like I've read slash heard different accounts of this that Angelica was horrified when it yeah. was going down. I feel like
1: I heard an interview with her though where it was kind of like, it made me think, ugh, I like you. Why are you telling me this? She like, did
0: do something recently where she was defending Roman yeah. Polanski in
1: regards to this. Right.
0: So maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Because yeah. I was like, I don't want you to say this. Yeah. No. I totally agree. Because <laughs> I love her. I yeah. stand her. But like this was, she, yeah, she just apparently didn't think anything of it. Right. Samantha says that she remembers walking past Angelica on the way out of the house that night and that she just could not even look her in the eye. Like she was humiliated and felt so ashamed of herself. And I mean, I can't imagine. Immediately, Samantha began beating herself up about the incident. Obviously, she went through a lot of common emotions that uh, victims feel. She blamed herself for taking the Quaalude, for even going there in the first place. She felt like, you know, this was something that, She could have. She was so, oh, how could I be so stupid? You know, I should have known better. And when she got home, Samantha immediately ran into her bedroom where she called her ex-boyfriend Steve sobbing. He came over and she told him, Roman made me have sex with him. According to Samantha's mom, when her daughter ran into her room after returning home, they invited Roman inside. So this is happening before the boyfriend came over. Like, Samantha immediately runs to her room and they're like, Oh Roman, how'd the shoot go? Come inside. Like, and he comes inside, he brings a joint. They, they share a joint together, Roman with the parents. And he's like, Oh, do you want to see the shots from our first test shoot that we did? I got them. Like I have them. So they're like, yeah, let's look at them. So they're flipping through the photos of the ones they took on the hill. And he's just casually showing these to her parents and the sister and then come the topless photos. Oh, he left those in? I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> Jesus he Christ. left those in. And one thing that was chilling is as they were looking through the photos, Samantha's mom recalls sort of being alarmed at how shitty the quality of the photos were in the first place. Oh, God. Like yeah. Yeah, This is even before the topless photos. She's like, right, she's they're like- just... These they're, look like shit. Yeah. these yeah. He's like, ter- you're a famous photographer, director guy. Right. Like, why are these blurry? Why? Why? She's not even looking at you and that like, she's not, right. what is this? And then there's the topless photos. And that's when she knew, oh my God, this is something sinister. Yeah. This is not okay. Uh, so the parents are pissed and they asked him to leave. Wow, Like, they're like, get out of here. Now, they were freaking out at this point. They didn't even know the half of what had just happened to their 13-year-old daughter. They were just pissed about the topless photos. Yeah. Later, Samantha's older sister, Kim, went to go check in on her sister. Now, at this point, Samantha is in her bedroom talking to her ex-boyfriend, Steve, who's come over to console her because she called him up crying. And Kim doesn't open the door, but she overhears her sister telling Steve about what had just happened. So Samantha's sister, Kim, ran back to her parents and said, he fucked her mom. That night, Samantha's mom sat by her side, consoling her daughter. And she was not the woman the press would later make out to be a stage mother who deliberately put her daughter in harm's way to further their careers. That night, Samantha's mom called the police to report the rape. And Samantha told the police everything. Roman Polanski was arrested on Friday, March 11th and released on $2,500 bail. The police searched Jack Nicholson and Angelica Houston's home where they found a small amount of cocaine belonging to Angelica. So she was arrested for drug possession, but released on bail. Roman was indicted on one count of providing drugs to a minor and five counts of sexual abuse. He pled not guilty. Now, Roman's lawyer requested an inquiry into Samantha's sexual history as well as a psych evaluation to be done as a means to discredit her. But thankfully, his request was denied. There actually had been a law that was passed in 1975 in California where you couldn't bring prior sexual history into that. But he he knew that, but he tried tried it anyway. He tried to get her discredited. Like, oh, she was a sexual Lolita yeah you know, seducing my client, whatever. Angelica Houston agreed to testify against Roman Polanski in exchange for her cocaine possession charge being dropped. Now, the trial was set for June. Roman ended up accepting a plea deal in exchange for a lesser charge of unlawful sexual intercourse. So, like, five of these other charges. What is unlawful sexual intercourse? Because he had sex with a minor.
1: So that's sex with a minor? That's what they call it? Yes. Oh my God. I don't like that
0: term. No, it's like very, like it's like such a whitewashing what it is. In October, Roman was allowed to fly to Europe where he was prepping for his next film, Hurricane. Paparazzi captured a photo of Roman at Oktoberfest in Germany surrounded by beer and young girls. (sighs) The judge ordered him to come home right away because that like made the press. They're like, look, he's just living it up. Yeah. How he's not even working. He's at Oktoberfest with these like young girls. I mean, he doesn't
1: seem like he thinks he did anything wrong. Like from the topless showing the parents, the topless photos. I really
0: don't think he thinks he did anything wrong. I don't either. Like I really don't. So in December, he was ordered to undergo a 90 day psych evaluation at Chino state prison, where he would remain incarcerated for that evaluation. Now, during this time, Roman was fired from directing the movie hurricane. And in January, he was released after just forty-two days. Now, while he was awaiting sentencing, his lawyer, you know, informed him that his sentence could be anything from probation to 50 years in prison. Right. And on February first, nineteen seventy-eight, Roman Polanski fled to fled to London. He was afraid of jail time, so he just dipped. Yeah. Like he's like, I'm gonna get this jail. I mean, sentence. it's
1: unbelievable he was out on bail considering yeah. how wealthy he was and all the connections he had in Europe. And, I and mean, he's yeah. a
0: citizen. He has French citizenship, yeah. too, and also homes in Europe. Right. Yeah, he was let out. So he then traveled to France where he had citizenship, like I just said, and he could avoid extradition back to the United States. Right. This is a new quote I had never heard before, and it's pretty alarming. This is from 1979. Roman gave an interview that appeared in Tatler Magazine where he said this. If I had killed somebody, it wouldn't have so much appeal to the press, you see, but fucking, you see, and the young girls. Judges want to fuck young girls. Juries want to fuck young girls. (laughs) Everyone wants to fuck young girls. Jesus. (laughs) Talk about not being... (laughs) Fucking uh, humble about like or yeah, like, like not being ashamed of your crime. He's just so baffled. Yeah, he's like, what? Well, everyone like, wants to fuck young girls. It's crazy. Like, yeah, he has no shame yeah, in this. At, it's unbelievable. At all. Now, Roman obviously has continued to make movies while in Europe. In 1979, his film Tess was released and it starred Natasia Kinsky, who, of course, he was rumored to be having an affair with. He's denied that they had an affair. She was obviously very young. I don't doubt that they had an affair. Dude, he (laughs) fucked everybody, it seems like. Yeah, and he already photographed her. When she was 14. Yeah, so it just seems highly unlikely. I'm sorry. Now, he did end up dedicating the film Tess to Sharon Tate, And in 1988, his movie (laughs) Frantic was released starring Harrison Ford and Emmanuelle Seigne, a French actress he ended up marrying in 1989. And, of course, like we said before, 2002, The Pianist won Adrian Brody an Oscar for Best Actor and Roman won Best Director. Right. Now, back to the 80s. In 1988, Samantha Jane Gailey filed a civil suit against Roman Polanski for sexual assault, false imprisonment, seduction of a minor, and intentional infliction of emotional distress. In 1993, an agreement in the amount of $500,000 restitution was reached, but according to a report in 2009, it was unclear if the money was ever actually paid to Samantha. Now, despite all of this, Samantha has long advocated for the charges against Roman Polanski to be dropped. She believes that his 42 days at Chino were enough and that the media and the court system did far more to damage her than Polanski ever did. In 2009, Samantha filed a petition to dismiss the case against Roman. In her declaration, she said this, I am no longer a 13-year-old child. I have dealt with the difficulties of being a victim, have surmounted and surpassed them with one exception. Every time this case is brought to the attention of the court, great focus is made of me, my family, my mother, and others. The attention is not pleasant to experience, and it is not worth maintaining over some irrelevant legal nicety, the continuation of the case. So she just wants this to be over and done with. She fucking hates every time this is like brought up in the news yeah. or that, you know, I know that she said in her memoir, she was humiliated that even everyone knows the details of this. And right. obviously she wanted, you know, she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm exposing myself by writing this memoir, but I need to get my side of the story, like in terms of how I feel about this whole thing and yeah. how it affected me. like, and so I wanted to honor, like I read her book cause I wanted to honor her voice in this story Right, I feel like so. But the problem is, she doesn't
1: have the right to ask for charges to be re- dropped because once it's a it's a it's a case right. against of it's a societal thing. Yes, like, yeah, exactly. you know what I mean, like right. oh, I get where she's coming from, right? But she doesn't
0: want to be involved in the legal right. stuff, and anymore. she's the main literally the main witness. Like right, yeah. In September 2009, Roman Polanski traveled to Switzerland to receive a lifetime achievement award at the Zurich Film Festival. Upon arrival, he was detained by Swiss police in response to his outstanding warrant in the states. Now, Roman, at this point, was put on house arrest at his Swiss chalet in Stad while he waited for a decision on extradition. and I just I just love that, like this level of like like, how rich people and famous people, like, like just like regular people shit, just does not apply to him. Like, be, right. most people would like get sent to like jail or something, but he's like sent like house arrest on his fucking In a Swiss, Swiss chalet. A Swiss chalet where he's like making fondue probably and like wearing a sweater. Why would
1: he even leave where he is safe from extradition? Because he wanted to accept this lifetime achievement award, <laughs> does he? He gives just no seems,
0: fucks. I feel like if you've
1: gotten away with something, you'd be like, ah, oh, I guess I'll just stay in France. Not right. the worst thing Dude, that can happen to you.
0: Like Seriously. You're in like, like fucking France. But that's what's so
1: galling about him. Like, I feel like I could be more like with Samantha, like if he was remotely remorseful for what happened. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, Right. I, and I don't know, I don't know what that mentality is. I Yeah. And like, I, watched- I mean, maybe he can't admit it to himself, you know? Maybe it's too awful. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's such a but weird- But it's weird because it seems a little brazen like there's some psychology going
0: on here. Oh, like totally. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what, but- Absolutely. And like, I mean, I respect Samantha's journey and whatever, her <sighs> Me opinions too. about I've, it too. I've heard her speak on other things
1: and I think she's really grounded. Yeah. And, and I definitely f- feel like, see myself in her.
0: Like, yeah. definitely the way I've handled things seems really similar. Right. And, and that's yeah. obviously not my experience- her experience, like, in terms yeah. of, like, how I... Oh, it's definitely, yeah. ...how I was traumatized, whatever, right. with certain things that happened to me. But, like, I res- I have to respect that's her experience. Right. And you know what? She's allowed to have her experience Absolutely. with it. So, the following year, Roman Polanski wrote an open letter alleging misconduct from the judge presiding over his case back in the 70s. Now, the judge had apparently been in contact with the district attor- attorney sharing information about the case and making decisions about okay whether or not he was going to find him guilty right so that's like hella illegal yeah and shit and because of this revelation switzerland decided not to extradite roman back to the states and he was released okay so he's still in france living yeah. in france where he's been since the 70s essentially like he's like i think he's like traveled to poland and stuff before he has he's like gone back to poland um but in May of 2018, Roman was expelled from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Do you remember that? Yes. I do. Because it was like right after all the Harvey Weinstein right. stuff. So they were like, pre, like... I mean, it's a little uh, whatever at this point. It's like, come on, guys. <laughs> you just tr- This is like
1: so P- a PR move. Yeah. And then I remember he was suing or something, right? He did sue yeah. them. He's like, That's embarrassing. F- f-. He was like, Z- fuck you. <laughs> it's kind of like, come on. Who cares? How dare
0: you? Like, is he still voting? Like, come on. <laughs> It's like, really, it's like, you know what? I don't really care if he's involved in the Academy of Science, Motion Picture Arts, whatever. Well, and it's also another galling behavior quirk
1: on his part. Like yeah. to think that any anyone feels remotely sympathetic towards that. Like even if you weren't a rapist and you got kicked out of the academy for some reason, yeah. I literally couldn't care less. Like, right. It's like rich people problems. Totally like, rich people just, problems. Yeah, who cares? Like yeah. it's not a civil rights violation in no. my opinion that I'm no. gonna get worked up about
0: at all. No. I feel like you know what his life at this point, like he has a ton of money. He lives in Europe with He's still married to Emmanuel. Yeah. She's fucking gorgeous. Yeah. And they have two gorgeous children. Right. It's, it's like,
1: you know have what? it. Like, you fucking, you know what? You're, it's like, you, the, you just don't have the icing. You just have the cake or something. Like, right. do you know what I mean? It's like, he, it's not enough for him. He wants to be that um, icon where he's treated like royalty, like right. movie royalty. But he
0: majorly fucked up. You got to admit that you fucked yeah. up. Like, like <laughs> he did something really fucked up.
1: It's interesting.
0: I mean, his story, like I said before, like when we started this episode, I was so daunted by even touching this story just because it's there's so much to it. I mean, it's like I, I couldn't... I didn't even have time to talk about the whole legal fucking thing he's been going through. Right. You know, details about it since, uh, like, his time living in Europe. And just, like... I mean, he's just a complex, like his story is so complex. It's really complex. There's a lot to it. And he suffered. Yes, he is. This is a man who has suffered great personal tragedy in his life, you know, and also he's made a lot of beautiful art, but he's also a fucking sex pest. He's deeply fucked up. He's deeply fucked up. Like this
1: is a broken person. And what he did was wrong. And I feel like everything about him is survival mode. Do you know what totally. I mean? And I feel like a lot of it is not even being able to admit to yourself, and that's how you survive, right? Do you know what I mean? Like I'm not. It's not, um, you know, justifying anything, right? But I'm saying I feel like that's what he oper- operates with. Yeah. It's like flight or flight, right. fight or fight. Like, right. do you know what I mean? And obviously, he flew, <laughs> like he <laughs> yeah. left, like right. he left the situation. And I feel like he is so accustomed to being this victim because yeah. he was a victim, right? He. Right. So it is a natural state of being for him to feel oppressed or whatever. Like, yes. So, it, I mean, I feel like it is a one-of-a-kind situation. Yeah. That who can say they've gone through the Holocaust and the brutal murder? The of Manson the, murder. Yeah, like, I mean, can you even imagine one of those things is literally life-ruining? Like, right. So I can't even imagine. And then to have this crime that he committed. Right. How do you even process all of that? Right. There's only a few options, and they're probably all really fucked up. Like, right. Right. So, I don't know. It's yeah. It's, like, definitely, like, I don't think anyone else can say they've been through these circumstances. Like, <laughs> right. It's just out of, it's out of control. Right. But that's why it's kind of a fascinating it's case. It's a fascinating case. Um, yeah. And I wish he would, I wish he would, like look into himself and like see what's going on do you know what i mean like yeah and tell us like yeah what his process and be like, is
0: roman you have to admit that was pretty <laughs> fucked up like i would love to know like
1: his truth like what is going on in his head right i don't even know if he accepts it like right so i don't know really it's, interesting it's really uh it's a
0: sad life yeah i mean really it's a trap he has a very tragic story yeah uh, and i'm not saying and like i said like you said he's both a victim and a predator at yeah. the same time yeah. which is an interesting dynamic to look at right. and it's a hard dynamic to look at right. it's a difficult thing to talk about
1: okay so, that well, was a very I'm, good episode I'm so, rachel i'm did glad I do a you good job? i'm glad you suffered through <laughs> you. all the books and trauma <laughs> mommy do <Daddy>, good Dad. <laughs> It's such an interesting case. It is so interesting. So I'm glad we finally got to it. Yeah. We've been, people have been asking for yeah. that crime
0: for a while. But I'm glad we got to the early stuff, too. So Yeah. I think I was just, like, really exhausted because, like, I went down this whole Holocaust rabbit hole and, like... Well, you can also see how there is a lot... Here There's that you so wanted to much, put in yeah. that you can't
1: right, but right. yeah. So I'm gonna lo- I would love to read these books when you're done.
0: Yeah, Samantha's book is great, and uh, the other one is fascinating too. I suggest I suggest I'll I'll post them on the Facebook page. The books that I read for this episode, uh, I also read newspaper articles as well for this. So uh, there was like it was a lot of research, but I'm um, I'm glad that we got to share the story with you. Yeah, uh, do we have anything to share? Think so. Just go to the Facebook group. Yeah.
1: Hollywood crime scene friends and then Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. You can follow us there. We'll post pics for sure yeah. of this episode. Right. Um and that's it. Yeah. Bye. Bye.